0: Have the police in Moscow, Idaho botched the investigation into the death of four college students? Want to see what a billionaire heir looks like when he's found in someone's bed without being invited? The Pike County case is coming to an end with the defendant testifying. That doesn't happen very often. And um, some justice for Harmony Montgomery, perhaps. Is Buster Murdoch not supporting his father, Alec Murdoch? And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Crime Talk. My name is Scott Reich. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. Hit that little bell so you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Just simply type in Crime Talk. All right, let's go ahead and support the people that support Crime Talk. Listen, you need a background subscription service. It is a dangerous world out there. You need to know with whom you are dealing with out there and how are you going to find out? Are you expecting them to tell you everything? Probably not gonna happen. So when you sign up for a background subscription service at crimetalksearch.com, that background subscription service allows you to do a background search on as many people as you desire. You can cancel at any time. You may say, hey, I only wanna check out one person, or you wanna check out a hundred, or maybe you keep it so when those new friends come into your life, you can check them out. Well, that background report is literally gonna be done while you wait, it's gonna be emailed to you, and it's gonna have information regarding criminal records, um, registries that people may have to be on. It's going to provide information regarding civil judgments, property records, divorce records, it is all going to be there for you. So go to crimetalksearch.com. You'll be happy you did. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for November 21st, 2022. Have the police in Moscow, Idaho completely botched up the investigation into the death of four college students? Well, I'm withholding judgment, but I just don't seem to get a whole lot of sense of urgency. And I'm not there, so I'm going to say that the cops are doing everything correct but it's a little concerning well first the parents of one of the university of idaho massacre victims say that the killer was sloppy and apparently left a mess of evidence behind but the police and actually the parents words were the bungling cops who have yet to identify a suspect or motive are blaming the thanksgiving break for their lack of leads. Now, police in Moscow, Idaho, are still searching for this unknown killer more than one week after four University of Idaho students were mysteriously stabbed to death in a house near a campus. Initially, police said there was no danger to the public, but they've since backtracked a little bit as it is a a complex and terrible crime, to use their words, and that they have scrambled for any new leads um, on the killer, adding that it would take some time to resolve. Well, obviously, that's a little concerning when they say we don't have somebody in custody. We believe that it is a isolated incident and therefore don't be alarmed. Well, somebody who allegedly or individuals allegedly uh, killed four people by knife is still loose. I think one should be concerned. Now, I understand the environment of police these days is basically, well, we have an active whatever going on and therefore it's, you know, they, it's not ongoing, so relax, we got this. But a little sense of urgency is always good. So let's do a quick little timeline here for you. So on Saturday, November 12th, the four slain students, who are Ethan Chapman, um, Madison Mogan, uh, Zaina Kernodle, and Kaylee Goncalves were all found deceased. Now on the night of Saturday, November 12th, Goncalves and Mogan, Apparently, lifelong friends uh, went to a bar called the Corner Club Bar in downtown Moscow, Idaho. And they were there at the bar from 10 p.m. to about 1.30 a.m., according to the Moscow police. At about 1.40 a.m., the duo was seen on a video at a grub truck, a local food vendor, and used a private party for a ride home. Now, getting back to the uh, residence at about 1.45 a.m. Now, this is a timeline according to the police, so let's use a little bit of grain of salt here when it comes to believing everything that's being said. Now, apparently, a man was seen in a surveillance video at the grub truck, and the person who drove them home are not considered suspects. Meanwhile, Chapin and Cronodal, who were dating, went to the Sigma Chi house uh, on Saturday night. They also arrived home, about 1.45 a.m., according to police. It's unclear how they exactly came up with that timeline, but that's the number they're giving. Chapin did not live at the house, but was sleeping over with his girlfriend. Now, two other roommates who survived the attack are not considered suspects. They apparently also went out uh, on the town in Moscow, Idaho, on Saturday night and returned home about 1 a.m., once again, according to police. Then on Sunday, November 13th, it's believed that the four students were killed in the house between 3 and 4 a.m. on November 13th. A dog was also at the home, according to law enforcement, and the Moscow police chief, a guy by the name of James Fry, called it an isolated and targeted attack. Once again, kind of going back to the mentality of police these days, if it's not an active, ongoing shooter, then you know, be worried, but if somebody's just deceased, it's don't worry about it. Well, the two surviving roommates were in the basement and slept through the uh, homicides. Now, in the morning of November 13th, the two roommates apparently called friends over to their house because they thought one of the victims on the second floor had apparently passed out and wasn't waking up. Well, at 1158 a.m., A 911 call from one of the roommate's phone requested help for an unconscious person. Now, the 911 caller's identity has not been released, but police said that multiple people talked with the 911 dispatcher. Responding officers found the four victims on the second floor and the third floor of the residence. Police do not believe anyone at the house at the time of the 911 call was involved in the homicides. Then on Thursday, November 17th, autopsies conducted on the victims determined that they all died from multiple stab wounds. The four students were probably asleep when they were attacked, um, but some did have defensive wounds, according to the coroner. As I stated before, no suspects are in custody, and the knife that was used in the killings has not been found by the police. Now, police did say, They are aware of multiple phone calls from victims Madison and Kaylee to a male. That person has yet to be identified. So we're going to have to wait and see. Now, I understand when you're in a small college town, you have a university uh, town title police department, they're not used to dealing with big city crime, so to speak. Nothing against them. These police officers, I'm sure, have great training. But sometimes you have to be able to manage the narrative, which is that we are working on this and this is the what we are doing to work on this case. We have an abundance of evidence. We have nothing. Now the police are saying, hey, neighbors, uh, would you mind checking your local ring doorbells or any other surveillance cameras you have in this area? Uh, because we're re- we'd be really interested into it. Now, just saying, usually that would have been done within the first 12 hours of the investigation. And here we are over a week later and um, nothing has now they're just asking why haven't the police done those types of things. We'll bring you more news when it becomes available, but this is just uh, starting to become a little troubling to say the least. And next on the docket, you want to see what a billionaire heir looks like when he's getting out of bed? Well, a bed that he shouldn't be in. Yeah. Take a look at this body cam video showing the Tyson Foods newly appointed chief financial officer being arrested after apparently drunkenly falling asleep in a stranger's home. Now, John R. Tyson, the great grandson of Tyson Foods founder, was arrested on November 6th in Fayetteville, Arkansas, after a college-aged woman found him asleep in her bed at 2 a.m. and promptly called the police. The police footage was released, and it shows Tyson, who's publicly apologized for the incident, appearing somewhat disoriented and attempting to go back to sleep as the police roused him from the stranger's bed. You can hear the police saying, you're not in your house, An officer can be heard shouting at the slumbering executives. Go ahead and take a listen. Watch this. Mr. Tyson. John. Fayetteville Police Department. You're not in your house. John, John, need you to wake up and talk to me before I drag out drag you out here butt naked. John, Fayetteville Police Department. You have two options: either one is you sit up and put your clothes on, or two you go to jail just like you are right now. Okay. Right. Put your hands behind your back. No. Hands behind your back yo yo police yo, department yo, yo, yo. this isn't your house yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hands hey. behind your back you're under hey, arrest whoa, whoa. you're under arrest relax put your hands behind your back hey, relax relax oh chill what do you mean to cuffs okay now kick your feet up towards me Thank you. Come on. Thank you. John, the girl who lives here doesn't know you. Came home to find you asleep in her bed. All right, John, you got some stairs, be careful, all right? Can I go for you real quick? No, you can't. I love the officer saying, I need you to wake up and talk to me before I drag you out of here butt naked. I love that. Now, early in the week, uh, Mr. Tyson apologized for the incident on a quarterly earnings call with investors, stating that, hey, I'm a little embarrassed, and I want to let you know that I take full responsibility for my actions. Now, it's exactly unclear, like I said, how Mr. Tyson ended up in the woman's home, but she did tell the dispatchers at the time that she did not know him and uh, may have left her uh, front door open accidentally, which is normally what happens on all of these types of cases. So, Little law tip here, lock your front door, okay? I had a friend once left the door open for his daughter to come home, and guess what? Heard the door, wondering why his daughter hadn't come home yet. Comes downstairs, finding some drunk guy sleeping on his sofa. The guy was lucky, well, that he was still alive. Let's just put it that way. So lock your front door. Give your kids a key, okay? Upon arrest, Mr. Tyson was taken to the Washington County Jail and charged with public intoxication and criminal trespassing. He had to post a $415 bond, which he did that same day, and he has court on December 1st. Now, not to embarrass Mr. Tyson, but it just shows you a teachable moment here that, um, well, bad things in the legal system can happen to anyone, even if you think you would never uh, be experiencing that. So we'll continue to follow that one just because it's, well, it's not that we're trying to embarrass Mr. Tyson, but it is kind of funny. All right. All right, next on the docket, let's talk about the Pike County murders. This case has gone on forever. We were going to try to bring the whole trial to you, but it was really weird how they were letting some witnesses' faces not be shown and others. It was just, it didn't flow very well. Anyway, um, George Washington Wagner IV, the trial resumes after he testified and um Basically, uh, the defense rested. Uh, The jury's going to come back next week for closing arguments. This was in regards to the death of eight members of the Roden family who were found shot to death at four different locations on uh, April 21st and April 22nd of 2016. Like I said, the defense rested its case Friday uh, in the trial of Mr. Wagner, 10 weeks after testimony, um, which is described as the largest criminal investigation in Ohio. Now, Mr. Wagner was the last witness uh, that the jury heard. He denied any involvement in the conspiracy to murder eight members of the Roden and Gilly families. And uh, Wagner four younger brother, Jank Wagner, and mother, Angela Wagner, testified against him and implicated him in every step of the crimes, from the planning to the cover-up. What have I said, ladies and gentlemen? The threat of imminent incarceration tends to break the bonds of loyalty. Why would they do that? Because they didn't wanna have the death penalty. Well, Jake Wagner, he pled guilty back in April to 23 counts, including aggravated murder, burglary, and unlawful sexual conduct with a minor for the April 2016 murders of his ex-girlfriend, Hannah Mae Roden, and her family. Angela Wagner pled guilty months later for her role in the murder conspiracy. Now, Jake Wagner and his mother testified their family planned the murders of Hannah Mae Roden and her family because they feared the daughter Jake shared with Hannah could be molested. Now, evidence presented during the trial showed that the Jake Wagner and his mother wanted custody of the little girl named Sophia and tried to get Hannah May to sign over custody of the child. Now, Wagner appeared calm as he answered questions from the lead attorney, a guy by the name of John Patrick Parker, and denied any knowledge of the conspiracy over a day and a half of direct examination. He testified that he would have tried to stop the murder spree had he known about it, although he didn't know how he would have done so. He also said after his family was interrogated at the U.S.-Canadian border back in May of 2017 while returning from a trip to Alaska that the British Columbia police agents told him he would either be a suspect or a witness, so he agreed to spy on his younger brother for the agents. Now, Wagner said he asked his brother, Jake, whether he was involved in the murder and swore up and down no. On cross-examination by the special prosecutor, uh, Mr. Wagner was asked about differences in some of the statements that he made during the May 2017 interrogation and his testimony there in court. Uh, For instance, Wagner acknowledged on the stand that his father, George Billy Wagner III, was involved in the drug trade with Hannah Mae Roden's father, Chris Roden Sr., when it came to selling marijuana. But during the May 2017 interrogation, Wagner said his father was against drugs. The prosecutor pointed out to the recorded conversation in 2018 where Wagner told his mother, while the family was under investigation, that they need to cut off the head of the snake so the body dies. Wagner was also heard telling Angela Wagner that the only reason she and Billy Wagner ever got into trouble was because they caved to the police. Now, Billy and Angela Wagner had been arrested for theft and receiving stolen property in the past, and Wagner's heard on a recording stating that I ain't caving and I ain't crumbling. Now, Wagner, when the prosecutor asked, said that anyone who killed eight people should be put to death, he also said he didn't believe a person should confess to something they didn't do. Nice question by the prosecutor, right? Well, if you're guilty of this, you should be put to death, which is what they're asking for, right? Mm-hmm. Defense, the defendant came back with a nice thing. Well, yeah, but I wouldn't plead guilty of something I didn't do. I'm innocent. I'm up here telling the world under oath that I didn't do it. Now, the jury, they're the ones going to have to make that determination whether he is uh, guilty or not guilty. Like I said, closing arguments begin next Monday, and we're going to try to bring those to you. Now, prosecutors have called dozens of witnesses, including, um, rodent family members, friends of the victims, crime lab analysts and members of law enforcement over the course of the trial. The defense called people who knew Mr. Wagner. One man, a guy the name of Alex Staley, said that Wagner teared up about a month after the homicides. He said they were fishing and the subject of the murders was discussed. Prosecutors and defense attorneys have spent hours over the last week arguing over which exhibits will actually be admitted to the jury. There are more than 2,000 photos and physical pieces of evidence that were presented to the jury. Now, those are gonna be come in if the court allowed them to be admitted with the proper foundation. The defense attorneys um, have argued and they believe that the exhibits were irrelevant, but ultimately the judge's ruling will determine whether they come in. Uh, The prosecutors became somewhat upset over the uh, uh, defense objections but that's what the defense is supposed to do. Now, the judge uh, presiding over the case uh, since the arrest back in uh, 2018, appeared frustrated at how long the process was taking at times. I get it, welcome to a trial. They don't always end in a nice, convenient way. Now, the state had indicated last Friday that they had no more witnesses to call. However, there's some testimony was meant to rebut the testimony of Mr. Wagner about a Colt 9-11 uh, that, was, uh, that his brother said was one of the murder weapons. Now, Mr. Wagner said he didn't, hadn't seen his brother with the gun. A witness had uh, sent a text message to Mr. Wagner back in 2018 with a photo of Jake Wagner's hands holding the gun. Wagner reacted to the text by sending a text to his brother, Jake. The brother uh, left work because of a family emergency. Well, the ATF paperwork showed that George and Jake Wagner both purchased guns on the same date back in January 2015 at a mall. Like I said, court will resume uh, next Monday. They get the week off and uh, the attorneys will go through the uh, exhibits and um, they're going to file and the defense will move for a motion for judgment of acquittal, which is usually required after the prosecution rests, after the defense rests, saying, Judge, there's no way you could possibly convict my client. And then the judge will say, I still must view the evidence in the light uh, most favorable to the prosecution, drawing all inferences in their favor. And it's not the judge's job to become a 13th juror. Therefore, there is sufficient evidence for the case to go to the jury. The jury of nine women and three men. um, Like I said, they were sent home Friday. They'll have this week off and uh, closing arguments will begin on Monday, November 28th. We'll continue to bring you uh, that story, we'll see whether the jury believes that, uh, whether the defendant is uh, guilty or innocent. It's going to be interesting. You know, when a defendant testifies at trial, the attorneys cannot put them on if they believe that they're going to perjure himself. So he must have been maintaining his innocence throughout the entire process with his defense attorneys. So maybe he truly is innocent. Maybe he's guilty of sin. We'll just have to wait and see. Next on the docket, some justice for Harmony Montgomery, perhaps? Well, Kayla Montgomery, the stepmother of suspected murder victim Harmony Montgomery, was sentenced to prison Friday on perjury charges. For her part, she agreed to cooperate in the second-degree murder case against her estranged husband, Adam Montgomery, who is accused of beating Harmony to death. Now, Harmony had disappeared sometime in late 2019, but she had only been reported missing quite recently. Uh, The revised timeline of her last known whereabouts from October 2019 to November or December of 2019. Now, if police say that Kayla Montgomery lied to a grand jury about working in a donut shop On November 30th of 2019, she claimed to have last seen her stepdaughter that particular day. Now, prosecutors dropped related charges against her for allegedly lying to collect welfare benefits in exchange for her guilty plea in this particular case and her continued cooperation, which if that case proceeds to trial against the dad, will certainly be brought up in cross-examination, basically saying that she would lie to do whatever she had to do to get a better deal for herself. She also had charges dropped in regards to uh, receiving stolen firearms. Now Adam Montgomery, the dad, stands accused of killing his daughter by repeatedly striking Harmony in the head with a closed fist. And Mr. Montgomery was charged with one count each of falsifying physical evidence by allegedly destroying evidence when he hid or destroyed his daughter's body to prevent the investigators from moving forward. He's also charged with abuse of corpse. Uh, for allegedly and purposefully and unlawfully moving or concealing the uh, remains of Harmony Montgomery or any part thereof, as well as with tampering uh, with witnesses for allegedly having Kayla testify falsely. Now, the lack of knowledge as to Harmony's whereabouts made its way onto law enforcement's radar after an alarm was raised by the biological mother, a woman by the name of Crystal Sori, who repeatedly lost and regained custody of her daughter due to her own substance abuse problems throughout the young girl's short life. Now, Harmony was was apparently last enrolled in school in Massachusetts, and in her initial interview, Kaylee Montgomery told the police she had not seen Harmony Montgomery since a morning in late November or early December of 2019, while she was getting ready for work. That morning, Kayla Montgomery allegedly told police that her husband, Adam, was taking his daughter to stay with her mother in Lowell, Massachusetts. The girl's mother, sorry, said that the daughter never showed up. So finally, a little bit of justice for Harmony. Maybe if her dad is convicted, of course, we'll give him the presumption of innocence like we do always, but we'll see how that works out for him. Next on the docket, Buster Murdoch not supporting dad? Wow. You know that's not good, right? We've seen lots of cases where the defendant has the uh, family on their side, but it seems like uh, the uh, family bond is breaking in the Murdoch family. So apparently Buster Murdoch um, angrily rejected the suggestion that he is supporting his father when confronted by a reporter. Now, Richard Alec Murdoch, is. Buster's dad is currently awaiting trial for, obviously, the alleged slaying of his wife Maggie and their younger son, Paul. And the uh, former attorney, who's been disbarred, is facing a total of 98 criminal charges. Four are related to the murders of his wife and son. Some do a botched suicide for a higher plot that he apparently engaged in so that Buster could get a $10 million life insurance policy. Needless to say, that hasn't come about. The rest of the charges are for money laundering, fraud, embezzlement, as he allegedly siphoned off about $8.5 million in unpaid civil settlements as a partner in the uh, family's law firm. Now, Buster has remained very tight-lipped of his once-illustrious family's uh, fortunes have uh, spiraled since his uh, mother and brother were gunned down at the family hunting estate back in June of 2021. But when a reporter Approach the home, he shares with his girlfriend, a woman by the name of Brooklyn White in Hilton Head Island. Mr. Murdoch responding quite emotionally when a reporter asked, quote, presumably you're supporting your father. Old Buster replied, you have no right to resume anything. And he was adamant, he said, I don't want to see it written anywhere that I am supporting my father asked if he wished to make any other statements regarding his father's innocence or guilt. He simply said, I have no interest in saying anything. I have no comment. And um, politely went indoors. So it would seem as the family is somewhat uh, crumbling if it wasn't already shattered as it relates to the uh, Murdoch uh, family. And next, our dumb criminal of the day. A Missouri man has pled guilty to robbing a local bank of America branch using a demand note written on the back of his own birth certificate while he was wearing an ankle monitor for a related previous case that he had. Well, the device easily placed him at the scene and uh, he admitted to authorities to prove a point to his lover, but it's not exactly clear what point he was trying to prove. So this genius, Michael Conley Lloyd, uh, pled guilty to one count of robbery in federal court. Now during the interview of Mr. Lloyd, Lloyd admitted to robbing the bank early in the day. He told investigators that he robbed the bank because he and his lover had gotten into a fight and he wanted to prove a point. Now prior to robbing the Bank of America location, Mr. Lloyd wasn't sure which bank he was going to rob, but he drove by the Bank of America and decided to pull into the parking lot. In his Uh, into a black Dodge Ram vehicle. While in the parking lot, Lloyd used a highlighter to write the demand note. The demand note was written on the back of Lloyd's birth certificate. And Lloyd apparently recalled writing as well, be quiet until I leave and give me all the money. Well, Mr. Lloyd robbed the bank by himself and didn't receive any input or help from anyone else got to protect those others, right? Now, according to the complaint, uh, Mr. Lloyd said he threw his birth certificate and ID out the window as he fled the bank. He said he began passing police cars driving by officers who were responding to the robbery. He became scared and started throwing the money he received from the teller out the window of the truck. Yep. The court plea paperwork says that he then texted his roommate and told her to tell the police that her truck had been stolen. He also told her to start listening to her police scanner. He then called his lover, Ashley, to tell her what he had done. According to the arrest affidavit, he knew how quickly the gig was up. Mr. Lloyd told investigators that he expected to receive prison time and that he would take full responsibility for whatever punishment he, in fact, was going to receive. The total of the uh, Bank of America loss was $754. It's also stated in the factual basis that the teller feared for her safety based upon the note. Now, a plea agreement indicates that investigators learned Lloyd was wearing the ankle monitor connected to a previous incident while he admittedly robbed the bank. The uh, tracking company confirms that Mr. Lloyd's ankle monitor was inside the Bank of America at the time of the robbery. And, um, well, the maximum possible uh, sentence for this is uh, 20 years behind bars and a $250,000 fine. Certainly, he's not going to get 20 years. However, he is going to probably get between 8 and 10. So, yes, Mr. Lloyd um, is our dumb criminal of the day. And, um, What can you say? You wear your ankle monitor from a previous case that apparently had to do something with drugs, and then you go rob a bank to prove a point to your lover. You steal the $754 that you throw out the window, and then when the police catch you, they interrogate you, you completely confess, and guess what? Now you're going to prison. I'm thinking that qualifies for the dumb criminal of the day. All right, thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you're having a wonderful day, not just a great day, and we'll see you next time on Crime Talk.